Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on the impacts of emerging regulations on supply chain compliance. This series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. Ascent Compliance provides cloud-based SaaS solutions that help companies manage their supply chain data, facilitate stakeholder and supply chain education on regulatory and program requirements, and increase transparency between businesses. Ascent helps companies overcome the challenge of meeting their compliance business requirement. Finally, Ascent streamlines the data exchange process for suppliers, making it easier for them to comply with their customers' data requests. For more information, check out their website, ascentcompliance.com. In this special five-part podcast series, I visit with several members of the Ascent team to take a look at this topic review human trafficking and slavery developments, supply chain risk management programs, CSR value propositions, the current state of responsible mineral sourcing, and scaling up to meet challenges today, tomorrow, and down the road. It's a fascinating series that I know you will enjoy. In this fifth and final episode, I visit with Jonathan Hughes, And we wrap up this podcast series by talking about scaling up in your compliance program through robust technology. I know you'll enjoy it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and we are back for our concluding episode in our five-part series on impacts of emerging uh, regulations. Today, I have with me Jonathan Hughes. He is the Director of Strategic Relationships at Ascent Compliance. So, Jonathan, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit uh, with me today, and welcome. Oh, thank you, and uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, thank you for having me on here, Jonathan. Many compliance practitioners have struggled with uh, not so much t- uh, simply technology, but also uh, what are the benefits that technology brings. And so, I wanted to start off by asking you: There has been uh, certainly, from my perspective, a surge in util- companies utilizing third-party compliance platforms. And uh, I wanted your thoughts on on why that happens, but really the broader questions of what does that bring to the compliance practitioner more than just efficiency? What's what type of information can they use on a day to day basis? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a good question, and that's certainly something that we've been seeing in, in the market as well, and it's starting to grow at an exponential pace, right? So if you look at uh, the number and types of companies that were adopting third-party solutions five years ago, uh, it just keeps on snowballing, becoming more and more each and each year, more and more companies are adopting that. And I think it plays into each other. Uh, you know, the more companies that adopt it, they push down through, you know, governance and requests to their suppliers and so on and so forth. More and more companies then need to, to adopt those programs. But I think at its heart, it has to do with the regulations themselves. So, you know, as any compliance officer, I'm sure I uh, would tell you within the first few minutes of meeting them, uh, regulations are becoming more prevalent and more complex. Uh, and so what that means is if you look at the number of regulations on the book that a compliance officer had to deal with 10 years ago compared to five years ago, even compared to two years ago, uh, and so on, and then look at the number of new regulations that are being, uh, you know, promulgated and planned over the next two, three, four, five years, it really is quite staggering. And another item is that these regulations are dynamic. And what that means is that a lot of these regulations, when they're pushed out now, have room in them to change over time. Uh, so you can imagine if you're a compliance officer, that really presents you with uh, you know, three different types of challenges. Uh, so number one, just with the depth 
of and complexity and the volume of that information, the regulatory knowledge that you need to be a compliance officer is literally doubled in the last five years, right? If you were trying to be a, you know, a jack of all trades or even going into different specialties. And, you know, with that knowledge and with these increased uh, amount of data means that there's more data requirements. So when there's more regulations, you need more data, more proof, more evidence to demonstrate that you comply with these regulations, right? So they kind of tie into each other. So now not only your compliance officers have an increased burden, everything to do with the data has an increased burden. How do we capture this data? How do we measure this data? How do we verify this data? And then those two items have also led to a third uh, item, which I see as driving more companies to utilize third-party platforms, is you need processes and uh, you need governance for this data. So because there's all of these new regulations, you need to have people that are, that are up to speed. Because these re regulations are you're putting in requirements on more uh, data requirements on, on your supply chains and other areas, right? That, that leads to you know, more complexity and burden on your internal programs. And these lead to the need for more processes and governance. So when you add these three things up, that's why we see, uh, at least in our opinion and our experience, a lot of companies kind of looking around and saying, okay, we need to go find a third party uh, who's kind of dedicated to this, who can keep their eyes on it for us. You really packed a lot into there, Jonathan. If I could even go back <laughs> to one of our earlier sure. podcasts I did with uh, Kate Dunbar, where she gave me the statistic that since 2015, there have been three major human uh, trafficking, uh, anti-slavery laws passed worldwide. Uh, so that's, you know, since simply since that time, that's 12, and she sees that continue to go forward. And that's just one small piece of supply yep. chain compliance. That didn't even speak to the regulations that you were talking about. Yeah. No, absolutely. I just quite right. And it's actually more prevalent if you start going into things like product compliance and material restrictions. Uh, you know, let alone there's a whole, uh, you know, wealth of other compliance topics that, that we don't even particularly deal with that are seeing the same kind of burdens increase on them. And so, you know, Kate obviously has a good point that that's her expertise. And you know, when each of these, you know, new rules and regulations come out, it can be quite the burden to a compliance officer, you know, when they, they already had a full-time job, okay, and then they've gotten three new regulations to deal with. Uh, it's just becoming quite taxing on them internally. Jonathan, I don't know what your perspective might be north of the border, but down here south of the border, we think about trade compliance literally on an hourly basis under the currently current administration, uh, the way <laughs> yeah. things change. And what was uh, acceptable as a supply chain practice may not be acceptable today, uh, literally. Um, so I was wondering, how can uh, a company like Ascent help a supply chain professional uh, manage uh, not only their internal portfolio, but manage this continuing change yep. in the regulatory uh, framework that can occur literally on a 24-hour basis? What's the What's the advantage of having this uh, based on a tech solution? Yeah, and absolutely, that's a great question. And this is something that we wrestled with on another side of our business, not the trade compliance side, uh, specifically material restrictions, where you have this uh, moving yardstick, right, and moving the goalposts every six months. We need to be here. We need to be here. This substance good. This substance is bad. It's allowed. It's banned. And so we did try a number of different ways to tackle this problem, but the only problem that we found to be effective was building configurability and scalability 
into uh, our software. And so what that means is once you have a set of configurable rules and processes and workflow that can be applied to any type of restriction and change, then you don't have to worry about those restrictions and changes, right? You can just, you can just, uh, you know, to tweak your system as needed. And that's kind of the approach that our clients, uh, our platform, have taken to these different types of trade compliance uh, changes that, that obviously, as you said, we're seeing in, uh, in almost real time. Uh, today. And so what that means effectively for a supply chain professional is that when you partner with, uh, you know, a third party uh, solution or, or someone like Ascent, you want to make sure that it is scalable, that it is configurable so that when a change comes out, you're not having to go back to the vendor, get a customization, getting a work order, getting a purchase order, getting IT and dev, et cetera, takes you, you know, six months to a year. And by that time, it's changed again several times. And so from the ground up, we made sure that our platform, uh, we want to be almost rule agnostic so that, you know, our system, while we do have everything out of the box to comply with ex- today's existing rules, that all of these items and the workflows and the rules can be adapted on the fly quickly and easily by the user so that we can adapt in real time. And, you know, it's very fortuitous to us that we prepared to do this in one space that we're now seeing this, uh, you know, the current administration seeing this happening in another place like trade compliance. And we can take those set of features and configurability and scalability and apply it to another solution. And that's kind of the overall benefit of being on a platform like Ascent, uh, you know, because we have all these wide range of sets and features, we can often apply them to uh, a various amount of different, you know, supply chain and compliance issues. Jonathan, uh, once again, uh, just a ton of information in those comments. I'm going to try and unpack one very small part, which is the uh, economies of scale, but more importantly, the ability to scale up. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, and they say one of their greatest challenges is, what do you put in place that allows you to scale up, not painlessly, because it's never going to be painlessly, but with as, as little friction as possible? And it seems like yep. to me, you guys have brought that insight to the uh, what started as a legal or regulatory response in terms of compliance, but really now is a business process. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, no, absolutely. You're quite right. So let me let me so turn. Of, uh, sorry, go on. Yeah, let me turn uh, just a little bit to ask you a couple of questions about what have you seen or what has Ascent seen in terms of the dangers to companies for non-compliance, either from the regulatory slash government perspective, but from where I sit, look at it, really from the, the reputational perspective, the customer relations uh, perspective, or even their own em- employees' perspective. Yeah, no, so absolutely. And so whenever we look at this, uh, there's two different types of risks, right? So now there's your obvious types, you know, your brand awareness, okay? Uh, You know, you obviously don't want your brand to be associated with any of these kinds of, uh, you know, CSR issues in your supply chain, whether it be, you know, slave labor, conflict minerals, what have you. You don't want your brand tied to that in any way, shape, or form. And so that's kind of one level. Tied closely to that is customer risk. So you don't want your customers to come back to you and say that the data that you've provided on a specific compliance topic is not sufficient to meet their standards and so that they're going to, you know, discontinue doing business with you. Uh, so, so that is a very real risk. It's something that we're seeing more and more uh, come about today. I think everyone would all agree uh, that today's consumers, especially younger consumers, are more socially aware. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that is not so much, you know, people 50 years ago weren't socially aware. We didn't have the data. Right. I mean, you didn't have a 24 seven stream of social media, Wikipedia, Twitter and what have you to bring these types of issues to light in real time. 
right? And, and so I don't think it's something that's necessarily, I don't think being socially conscious is new to humanity. I think the ability for people to understand these problems in real time with a depth that we haven't seen, uh, you know, due to the internet and social media and other uh, pieces of technology, that's what's changed, right? People haven't changed. So, you know, when you have these uh, different technologies that are going to uh, allow consumers to make more informed choices, they will make a more informed choice. And I think that that's really led to this, uh, you know, as you've seen kind of an explosion of companies being interested in CSR and ESG issues. Uh, so that's one piece, okay? And that's the brand risk, business risk. But, you know, there's another risk that we talk about, less, less talked about. But, you know, when people say, uh, all right, well, you know, why should I do this? Why can't I just continue doing what I'm doing, right? Well, you know, and it's not as if companies typically, if they know about a requirement, it's not that they won't do anything, right? It's not like they're literally going to make a conscious decision and say, I'm going to do nothing. Uh, quite often what, they, what happens is, and this ties into the first thing, the question that you talked about. So, you know, 10 years ago, I had a program to deal with compliance, and it's almost like boiling, uh, you know, uh, boiling a frog or something where, you know, slowly over the years, these requirements have gotten ratcheted up, more complex. They've added more. They've added more. Ten years later, you know, there's ten times the uh, regulations, but they haven't really upgraded their compliance team, right? They haven't, uh, you know, increased the compliance team, increased that budget. And so, the, you know, a lot of companies just keep these same teams and just pile on more requests. And they think that the, because they did, uh, you know, the way they did compliance, you know, 10 years ago that they can do today. And that, that's the real risk. And what we often find, especially when we dive in, is that, you know, a lot of times people are having a hard time quantifying what they do for compliance. Because what happens is, uh, you know, if you're a compliance officer, supply chain professional, and you're getting all of these different requests, you know, if you're not given budget or resources to tackle them, you have to start relying on other companies. So it becomes this, you know, there's this inter interdepartmental cost burden uh, that, that quite often isn't recognized. So, you know, whether it's leaning on people in admin to, you know, deal with email sendouts and, you know, tabulating reports or dealing with people in procurement to deal with suppliers or dealing with people in legal to answer questions about changing regulations, dealing with people in engineering to ask, answer questions about your products, people in, you know, sales to ask questions about, uh, you know, messaging. You know, so quite often the compliance, you know, when you look at the top line budget, okay, I've got some people in my compliance department, but when you start to dig deeper, uh, you know, when you look at the kind of internal risk, you know, the programs held together by, you know, the duct tape and some gum and just, you know, there's a lot of different supporting resources that aren't typically counted towards that program that are almost in every case actually helping. Uh, so as far as the risk goes to companies today, yeah, the, the, I think the risk is obvious about noncompliance. It's not going away. It's only going to become more prevalent as consumers continue to have more information that allows them to be a more socially conscious consumer. But then internally as well, and this especially goes for companies that aren't necessarily B2C companies, right, who wouldn't say nobody doesn't care about their brand, but they're not as brand sensitive as a Nike. Well, your risk of continuing to do business the way you are today, if you haven't updated your compliance program in five years, and then you go have a look at how many new regulations and requirements have put on, you know, obviously you're either cutting corners or you're probably using a wealth of internal resources that probably you're not uh, counting. Uh, Jonathan, one of the things that I hear quite a bit is, well, let me back up. If you and I speak uh, and have this conversation or you and I speak and have a podcast recording like we're doing now and it goes out to supply chain professionals, they understand it. They get it. But the question yeah. I get is, how do I take not simply the passion and enthusiasm that you generate and Ascent generates 
and the information we can give them and take that to their senior management so that they can gain executive buy-in literally within the four walls of their organization. When faced with that sort of uh, situation or that question, what do you advise? Uh, it's very, uh, other than bringing me on site. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> okay. No, that's obviously a good question. And so, you know, for providers uh, like, like Ascent and others, uh, we typically have, you know, uh, different types of content that they can bring. But if you need to do this on your own, what I would recommend is you don't want your especially senior management to be drinking from a fire hose. So you want to pick one or two uh, you know, causes, regulations, issues, and really explain to them, don't explain to them, here's the problem, here's the solution, right? You need to explain to senior management, here's the problem, and here's what's going to happen if we don't do anything, right? And because they really need to understand the potential repercussions uh, of, you know, of what continuing status quo or doing nothing is, as opposed to, here's the regulation, I need to go hire someone, go give me some budget, Right. I, I think the most successful approaches I've seen internally organizations is explaining why there's an issue and really a little bit of a history of how we came to uh, how you came to this point and what's going to happen if we don't do anything. Right. Because you, you, until you get buy in from buy in from senior management on that risk and they recognize that, yes, this is a bad thing to continue that way. Uh, if you start arguing about resources and budget, uh, they're not going to be able to understand what a good budget is if they don't understand what the repercussions are of not putting anything into place. Jonathan, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time. This has just been a fascinating okay. exploration with you. Look forward to continuing the conversation down the road. All right. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, you, you have a great day. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of impacts of emerging regulations on supply chain compliance. I hope you join us again tomorrow for our next episode. This podcast series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. You can learn more about Ascent Compliance by checking out their website, www.ascentcompliance.com. This special five-part podcast series has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.